0: everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another Well-Being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, my guest is Ann Prenzler. She is a senior administrative specialist here at Consumers Energy. So, Ann, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started.
1: Hi, I'm Ann Prenzler.
0: As we said, you are a senior administrative specialist. So, could you tell us a little bit about what that means how do you make a living because many of our listeners may not know what you do
1: well i work for community affairs and there are uh 22 people in my department i'm the only admin um for the department so i report to the uh executive director josh burgett and then i also support uh the entire team
0: all right and with my uh, interaction with any of our administrative specialists here at Consumers, um, you guys are really kind of the lifeblood of the company. You make things happen, uh, and I've realized quickly if I, if I have a question or maybe need to set up a meeting, um, you can make that happen very quickly.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So how did you get interested in um, this type of work, and is this what you've done since you've been here at Consumers?
1: Uh, I've had a few different uh, jobs. I worked, um, we had a record center here in Saginaw when I first started, and that's where I worked. Um, I was part-time for about a year, and I worked also, I helped in the mailroom. And then uh, for, I believe, five or six years, I ran the copy center here in Saginaw. So. so,
0: lots of things that aren't here anymore, right right not here anymore. I remember when I started here in Lansing um we had huge files just full of all kinds of paper records and and all that stuff and it was uh it was it had to be maintained.
1: It was all paper at that time um so yeah it was it was kind of interesting
0: mm-hmm. well and people relied on that too if they went to grab something on that file it needed to be in the right place and it needed to be right the right information so
1: right we pulled bills for for um the billing department and the call center quite quite frequently so
0: so anyone that might complain about having to uh, look up a billing history on a computer might want to talk to ann about how we used to do it
1: right <laughs> Exactly.
0: So before you came to Consumers Energy, though, uh, you were in the United States Army.
1: I was. I did three years um, regular Army. And then as soon as I um, got out, I joined the Michigan National Guard. Uh, and I did that for four years.
0: And so what did you do uh, when you were in on active duty in the Army?
1: I was a medic. Um, I was stationed uh, to a MASH unit. And uh, we were the I was on at Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah, Georgia, and it was home of the First Ranger Battalion. And so um, most of the time we were Rangers support.
0: Okay, and what what interested you or drove you to to join the military?
1: So I was um, a Catholic schoolgirl, you know, the oldest of four kids, and um, kind of sheltered. You know, we did family trips, but. Um, You know, I never really got out of my little bubble that I lived in. And um, I took some classes when I graduated, and I just wasn't feeling it at the time. And so um, a recruiter had called me, and um, I said, Well, I'm not sure that I'm interested, but I'll think about it and call you. Um, And I did, and I called him. We met a few times, and it just really intrigued me um my father's family is uh he has five brothers that were in military service and served in wars actually and then my uncle um on my mom's side uh, was in the air force so um yeah so
0: so no no stranger to the military no how did your parents react to that
1: my dad um very proud my mom it, it was harder for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she was scared for me, nervous for me. Um, but she, yeah, they—they they were both very proud.
0: Well, good, good. Because I know sometimes um, I used to be a recruiter myself for the for the Navy, and I know sometimes parents can get a little upset when their uh, children decide to to join the military. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to, to see that they were very supportive of you. What was it like for you uh, joining the Army and becoming a medic? You know, um, this is going to be airing in the month of November, um, and we're really highlighting women who served in the military. And I'm just wondering how your experience might have been different from my experience.
1: So when I joined, it was the late 80s, and things were a lot different then. Uh, women were not in combat. There were, only, there were certain jobs that um, we would qualify for. It was a different process. And when I tested, um, th- the field medic is one of the um, the things that showed up high on my test, and I thought that that sounded like a, a good job for me because I've always liked taking care of people. You know, the oldest of four kids and bossy, so <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah, that's basically. It was just it was all it wasn't impulsive, but um, it almost felt like it because i just felt like it was something that i really wanted to do experience new things so
0: well and it's interesting that you say it felt impulsive because i've i've noticed that like when you decide to join the military things move really quickly they do they uh it's you test you get your physical and then you get your date and then you go It it's mm-hmm. not a it's not there's no time to stop and think right And so, um, even though it felt impulsive, it sounds like it was the kind of the right decision for you at the time. What was it like going through basic training? Um, I was, so I had joined the military in, uh, 1984. And so everything was still segregated men and women. Mm. Um, in fact, I, I didn't see any female sailors until I got pretty well advanced in my technical training. So, um, how was that for you?
1: so i was at fort jackson and we um it was it was segregated as well there were um males uh that w- this was for basic training there were males on the post but um they were in separate areas uh we were in old world war ii barracks um at the time and basic was uh, <laughs> i guess you could say a big challenge for me because um i was my the most I ever did, um, you know, as far as um, physical training was cheerleading. I was not, you know, um, in sports or anything like that. So that was a big challenge for me. Um, but once I conquered that, I felt like I could do anything.
0: <laughs> there, so. that, it is interesting because uh, I know going into basic training, um, your body will do lots of things that your mind doesn't think necessarily you can do until you actually do them and
1: right mind over matter is the biggest thing you really have to train your mind to be more positive and yeah look at things differently i guess
0: now um i gotta ask this question too so well let me let me go back a little bit because you talked about fort jackson and um i you know I spent uh, So I spent 10 years in the Navy, but 11 years in the National Guard, the Army National Guard. So I did a lot of Army training. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the Army decided we're going to find the worst piece of land that we can find, and we're going to put some sort of training facility there. And it doesn't matter if it's Fort Jackson or Fort Leonard Wood, or I could just go on and on and on. I think the nicest place I ever went was Fort Lewis uh, in Washington, and that was beautiful but was that your experience as well as like every time you get to a navy base you're thinking or an army base you're thinking what the heck
1: fort jackson was one of those posts but um the i was originally stationed when i finished my ait my job training i was originally stationed in uh, fort stewart in georgia and it's in the middle of swamps you drive 20 minutes through swamps just to get to the post. So it that's exactly how that was, too. And I was lucky to be transferred from there to um, Hunter Army Airfield in Savannah, Georgia, which was nice. One of the nicer. Yes. Yes. So.
0: Well, good. And so you talked about AIT, or mm-hmm. um, is that advanced individual training, I think is what that stands I can never remember. Something to do with training.
1: Yes. So it's your job training, mm-hmm. basically.
0: And how was that?
1: I I loved that. And I was at another good place, Fort Sam Houston, and right in the middle of San Antonio, Texas. So um, that was a great place to be.
0: Now, at that point, um, had they uh, integrated males and females into the training? Yes. Okay. Yes. So after going through basic training and being with females for that whole period of time, um, what was it like uh, training with men?
1: Well, in my training, um, it was fine. You know, we we were all friends, and um, the barracks, of course, were segregated. But um, the the first time I experienced um, anything that was, you know, different than what I was used to was when um, we started um, training a little bit with the special forces. Um, they kind of treated women a little bit differently, and they weren't disrespectful. Um, it was That was the first time I just noticed anything um, just different.
0: Well, it's a different group of people.
1: <laughs> it is a different group of people. And that for a long time, a lot of them didn't feel that um, women had a place in the military. I don't know a lot of countries, you know, women weren't in the military for a long time either, so... But like I said, it wasn't anything disrespectful.
0: It was kind of just a sign of the times, right? Right. right. So you uh, went on to your um, training. You got got your duty station. um, And uh, you said it uh, when you graduated from basic training, how you felt like kind of on top of the world, right? Mm Because you did all these things that you had no idea you could do. Right. And what do you think that did for you? I mean, you know, if you – could look back at yourself entering basic training and where you're at today um, what do you think that that experience did for you
1: i was pretty shy It's like i said i was sheltered and um when you're in the military shy there's just no place for it because you're living with people that you you know they're not your family but they become your family and um you just um you just have to come out of your shell if you if you want to do well, and I really did. Um, it really, uh, my self esteem, my self esteem, um, just took a big leap. But um, so it it helped a lot.
0: Well, and you talk about the, how uh, the, the people you're with become family. And I really think unless you're in the military, that's a difficult concept to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there are a lot of people I still um, keep in contact with, even people from basic training. that We might, might not talk, but we follow each other in social media and mm-hmm. um, communicate that way. Do you find that you still have some friends from that time?
1: Absolutely. And it's funny because Facebook kind of reunited me with a lot of people that I was friends with. Um when I was in the army. So that's been cool because we followed each other. And I have one friend um, who uh, he's from South Carolina, Haw River, good old, you know, Southern boy. And when I was going through some struggles, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and he uh, started checking in with me, you know, a couple every other day or once a week. And still to this day, he does that, you know, so it's kind of cool.
0: And that's something we've talked a lot about on this podcast is reaching out and talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff Shingler makes it a point to talk with someone each day that he hasn't talked to in a while just to check in with them. And um, it's so important. But I do find that my military friends, um, we do that with each other quite a bit. And every once in a while, I just get this phone call out of the blue Mm -hmm. from someone I haven't talked to in years. And um, do you find this like, so when you talk to your friend, um, does it seem like you just kind of pick up where you left off? Like definitely, time never passed.
1: Definitely, and that's the difference between, um, you know, you, you, they're your military family; they're not just your friend.
0: Yes, I, I completely agree, and I, you know, so I, I think I kind of found that when I came to Consumers Energy as well. Mm-hmm. We don't, we don't go into combat together, but uh, you know, we do a lot of things that uh, are dangerous here, and, and um, we have to take care of one another. So you left the army and did you immediately join the national guard then?
1: I did. Yes. I signed up before I um separated from the service and then um when I got home it was almost immediate. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And what was was there a reason behind that or just
1: Well, I felt um I went through all of that training and even though I didn't want to go into the medical field I enjoyed being a medic and um I just felt like I I wanted to you know still do
0: something with the military okay
1: Um and of course the GI bill you know I took classes uh when I got out and so
0: So you you get out you join the Michigan National Guard um and we talked a little bit prior to the, to the uh, podcast here that you were thinking, oh, I'm just going to collect some unemployment, figure out what mm-hmm. I want to do. And so then what happened?
1: So I signed up with the um, – it was the unemployment office at the time. And um, thinking I'm just going to ride unemployment and figure things out, take some classes. And I got the call. Um, I didn't know it was Consumers Energy, but they called and they said – um, you know, there's a really good company. They're looking, they're hiring entry level positions, and um, we thought it would be a good fit for you. And um, then I found out it was Consumers Energy, and so I thought, well, I think I better look into this. So,
0: and what attracted you to Consumers Energy? I mean, other, than, I know they called you, but but you right. could have said no and continued on.
1: So I grew up not far from the Saginaw Service Center. And um, I just felt, you know, this company's been here for a long time and, um, you know, thinking about my future. And uh, I just thought it was something I shouldn't shouldn't turn down.
0: Okay. And now, you know, like you, I had known about Consumers Energy my whole life. Uh, It was Consumers Power at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So we've had some changes ourselves. And so you. Uh, so what year did you start here then?
1: Nineteen ninety.
0: Okay, all right. Just a few years before I got mm-hmm. here. I don't get to interview a lot of people that have more time here than I do. So this is, this is kind of nice. <laughs>
1: yes, I'll have thirty-two years yeah. in November. How's that feel? Um, weird. Because when I started, um, I just felt so young, <laughs> and uh, you know, I. Now I'm one of the old ones.
0: <laughs> do you find yourself saying and doing things that you used to kind of giggle at other people saying when you got Like, I remember working with some folks who had had some time here at Consumers Energy. They were in their, you know, 30, 32, 33 years. And sometimes they would say and do things, and I would just kind of chuckle, like, really? And now I find myself kind of doing and saying some of those things.
1: Um, Yeah, not so much. I just you – enough know, people ask me um, – you know, for advice, I just, I, you know, I guess I, I don't really feel like I sound that way, but maybe I do. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Go, go find someone who's brand new to the company and ask them. Do right. I sound like this? And uh, maybe, maybe we'll find out. So, so yes, you've been here for for quite a while, and um, as we were talking earlier too, um, I know that you have um, children, mm-hmm. and so. Um, how did your life unfold once you got here?
1: So, I um was married in 1992 and um but I w- it was 7 years before uh, we had children um because I struggled with having children. And naturally, so we ended up adopting. And by the time um we decided to do this, uh I wanted to do do it um I didn't want it to be a long, drawn-out process because trying to get pregnant and all of that was a long, drawn-out process. Right. So we hired a lawyer um, it just trying to do it in the safest way possible for, for us. And um, so then uh, the lawyer that we went to specialized in Russian adoptions, well, foreign adoptions, uh, but Russia really appealed to to us for some reason. Um, and I think it was because um, when you adopted from Russia at the time, you actually went to court while you were there. You had an interpreter. You were in front of a judge. And when the judge granted that you were the parents, then that was it. You were the parents. Um, here, the process is a lot more drawn out. Uh, so that's what appealed to me. I,
0: All right. And so you adopted two children.
1: I We adopted twins. Mm-hmm. And they're now 24. Okay. Yeah.
0: must have been kind of exci- exciting to see them come here. And then, uh, so how old were they when, when you adopted them?
1: So they were two, mm-hmm. but they were from a very poor orphanage. So to kind of put it into perspective, they weighed 16 pounds each. They didn't walk or crawl. Um, they understood some Russian, but didn't speak. Um, so it, it was just amazing. Um they ab- absorb so much in a short amount of time. And it was, it was pretty amazing to watch them learn and develop their personalities. And uh, we always thought my son would be the more outgoing one and it was the exact opposite, <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: The kids will, kids will surprise you like that.
1: Yes, yes.
0: So what do they do today?
1: So my son um, is a driver for FedEx. He's been uh, full-time there for three years he was part-time for a year and he loves it. Um both my kids are outgoing people. Mm-hmm. They like people and uh so it's a good job for him. And then my daughter uh works for Morley company and she works in their call center right now.
0: So. Okay. Now Morley company is that that's that's not the the Morley Candy People, is it? No. Cuz I always um, get this confused.
1: Right. And I believe that they are related. Um it's but it's actually not even the company's not run by Morley's any longer it's Mm -hmm. now in the furlough family but they basically do um, they manage programs for my daughter works for the Blue Cross Blue Shield program and they call people or people call them about their medications and things like that Um, they also administer the lemon law for GM and do other programs for GM and Okay. So yeah, she actually just put in for a different job, so we will see. It, it's not in the call center, so
0: well maybe by the time this airs we'll uh we'll know more. Right. But it sounds like they both kind of found things that, that work really well for them and uh work well for their personalities.
1: Yes. I'm just thankful that they like what they're doing and that they have benefits and full time jobs because at twenty four that's that's pretty good.
0: That is. Mm-hmm. That is, especially with the way things are, are going um, today, it, it's benefits are are a big deal. I Definitely. know that. I, I always wanted to make sure that my kids understood the importance of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, my daughter uh, just got her first teaching job um, out of out of college and is learning all about the wonderful world of um, uh, being on your own.
1: Right. <laughs> wow.
0: Exciting times.
1: That's very exciting.
0: Yes. So uh, a- anyone who. Um, who might not know the, the power of the training that you get in the military. Uh, you know, I was a computer technician in the Navy. I was military police in the army, um, but our training tends to follow us. And um, so, so, and you don't know that I'm going to mention this, but I'm going to, and if you want me to take it out, I certainly can. But a few years ago um, we were sitting in this very room that we're sitting in now. I was anyway. And um, I started having a medical issue and not knowing that Ann had been a medic in the military, but she was the person sitting out, in, in the front. And I went out and said, Hey, there's something wrong. Um, I think I'm having a migraine headache, but I can't see anything. And Anne was very calm, gave me some uh, Tylenol, and then drove me to the hospital and waited there for me and then drove me back here to pick up my car. Um, but um, now reflecting on everything you said, your calmness, um, the way you talked to me, the way you treated me, that, to me, that seems like it was all things that just kind of came back um, as part of all that training that you had had. And um, I just want you and everyone listening to know how much I appreciate how well you treated me. Um, but also, it's just a lesson in the things that we learn um, at a young age in the military really can carry through our entire lives.
1: It absolutely does. And I, um, I've i always had a strong sense of... Um, not just responsibility, but um, just um, compassion, and that my my medical training in the army um, just really kind of cemented that in me. But the other thing that it did was when you mentioned that I was calm, it taught me that you you know it you need to remain calm, you know, in certain situations because things will happen that you don't necessarily know you know how to deal with it but if you just stay calm and you know everything just kind of comes to you um but yes and i knew i knew from looking at you there was something wrong um and that's why i said i think we need to go to the hospital so
0: well and it all worked out i'm sitting here today
1: definitely (laughs) definitely
0: um so i just uh i wanted the audience to, to know and to also um understand that and um you know uh 32 years here at Consumers Energy and your time uh, spent in the military. I think you've probably learned a few things over your life. And we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast. And uh, before we go, I'm just wondering if there's anything that you would like the audience to take away from our conversation today.
1: So the one thing that um, the military taught me that has carried me through uh, my entire life since is... um, just the value of respect and um you just don't know what people are dealing with um and it's so much it's it takes just as much energy to be nice and respectful to people as it does to be grumpy or mean and um i just think that um It's a lot easier to just choose to be positive and encouraging, but uh, most of all, respectful.
0: Well, I I appreciate that. And I really like the the value of respect. Um, I haven't heard that term before, but I'm sure I'll be using it as I go forward. I (laughs) always learn something from these conversations. So thanks again for taking time out of your day to sit down and talk with me in the audience. Um, And uh, I'm sure that they're going to take quite a bit away from this. And uh, I look forward to maybe doing this again soon.
1: Thank you so much.